Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. Right here we go with Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Joining me today for a reaction pod on the Blazers-Nets game we just saw, which was electric. One of the NBA outsiders, as I mentioned, the longest tenured uh, host alongside myself in uh, Subway Sports Talk slash Sports Blog New York history, John Lucas Duffy. What up, dog? Petey, what up? What up, my guy? How we doing tonight, man? I mean, uh, I, my heart rate's still kind of high. Uh, that game definitely got the juices flowing for me, and I know it did for you too. That was insane, wasn't it? Bro, I texted you guys. I was literally pacing, going down, down going down the wire in the uh, fourth quarter of that Blazers Nets game, because I just, I, I just for some reason, I'm not a Blazers fan. Actually, our friend AC is a Blazers fan. Like me, he defected from the Nets after they left New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And uh, he he was just a big uh, fan of Damian Lillard, so he just flipped on over to the to the Blazers when he arrived. And even he, I was proud of him tonight. Up late watching that game, interactive in the chat, I was I was very proud of AC for that one. I hate to take credit for it, but I was a key component in AC you were. becoming I a forgot Bla- about Blazers that. fan. Yes. Yeah, I, I remember. I don't remember exactly where we were, but the conversation basically was, I don't really have a team. I love Dame Lillard. I was like, all right, the Blazers are sick. Like, be a Blazers fan right now. And then he changed his Twitter bio to, I've been a Portland Trailblazers fan since one hour ago or since yesterday or something like that. For and several minutes now. Yeah, yeah. and now since that time, like five years, six years ago, he's been a legitimate Blazers fan, rooting for them, knowing what's good with the organization. It's impressive. We'd love to see it. It's perfect, Graham. He's a big music guy, too. So now he's got the, the best NBA rapper <laughs> of all time in this corner. And speaking of that, dude, I mean, let's get into it. And also, before we do get into it, let me just say this. This is a short pot, and I know we say stuff like that sometimes. It doesn't go that way. This is going to be a short one, okay? So we can't, with the dilly-dally that we just did for the past two minutes, it's time to get to that action. We've done back-to-back-to-back episodes this week. It's a lot of minutes of listening for our listeners right there, right? So let's, let's start hitting Dame Lillard and the Blazers just snuck by the Brooklyn Nets uh, one point. Am I correct on that? Was it one point at the end? One single, one singular point. Oh, it my was God. Blazers win 134, Nets 133. Right. And really, the Blazers didn't look that good. Let's be frank, right? So their defense was bad. Karis LeVert's a really good player, and it's important to note how good he is, and we will get to stuff like that in a minute. But the Nets were crushing them on the boards. They were getting in the paint at will. They were hitting shots. They were playing just as hard, if not harder, than a team that was win or go home. So shout out to the Nets. But the Blazers are a much better team than the team they just faced off with, right? So there is obviously some negatives to draw from this situation, which we'll get to. But to get that weight off your shoulders and now go in with a one-game advantage on the Grizzlies is such a huge win. Duff, down the stretch, or even in the third quarter, second quarter, whatever, outside of Dame, did you see confidence on that team? What did you see out of the Blazers? Because there was a lot of negatives. I saw in the second half, let's talk about the first half real quick. So, CJ McCollum, he came out hot because right from the start, the Nets were kind of soft, doubling Damian Lillard, just kind of just kind of stunting at him to get the ball out of his hands, and, and this way they can rotate back. 
and and CJ was doing a great job of of finishing early, just kind of getting in rhythm. So you're thinking to yourself, all right, like wow, I, I wasn't expecting much from CJ McCollum. He literally has a broken bone in his fucking back. So Spinal. shout out to CJ for just even going out on the court tonight. I would love to get some more information about that that inf- uh, about that injury. Him and Dame tonight both played 44 minutes, which is just insane for. You think about it, so it's just quote unquote a seeding game, just a regular season game. But this was this was uh, this was this game was you know the fight for the right to make it into the game that gives you the right to make it into the playoffs. Like it's it's so insane <laughs> that the, the way the NBA set this up. It was it was just great theater. It reminded me of a couple of years ago yes. when Jimmy Butler was still on the Wolves and going against the Nuggets. Last game of the year just happened to line up that whoever won that game was going to make it into the into the um, playoffs and my goodness this game really didn't disappoint dame lillard in the second half he's getting hard doubled he he pulls up from the logo true to his name logo lillard ends up ends the game making eight threes he's 13 of 22 from the floor facing a double team most of the night ends up with 42 points 12 assists because he was doing a really good job of passing out of those uh, double team situations i want to throw a stat at you real quick so he was double teamed like 90 percent of of uh the game and he only had one turnover, which oh God, was wow. really great for a point guard. You don't, you think, you know, you got guys like LeBron who are big and Ben Simmons and James Harden is six, five and Russell Westbrook's even six, four, like Dame Lillard is six, one, maybe six, two. Like he's a small guard facing, you know, six, five plus defenders all night long against the nets. Um, and Yusuf Nurkic, like a guy I was kind of dogging cause he, he could not finish around the rim for a few games in a row there. And, Tonight he ends up with 22 points. I think the vast majority of that seemed like it was in the second half, and he was doing a really good job of catching the ball at the foul line and looking opposite for shooters. And when Gary Trent Jr. and C.J. McCollum and and Carmelo Anthony weren't really knocking down shots, he did a great job of attacking the rim and really creating offense for his teammates. It was it was very impressive from Nurkic in the second half, in my opinion. Yeah, and you know what the the play out of the bigs for the Blazers. Came up big, right? But Jeez, that was rough right there. Peter, come on. Get it together. Hassan Whiteside, though, had it together. And he was playing so well that I texted into our group chat and said, Hassan Whiteside's looking better than Nurkic right now. Uh, But that was true mostly for the offensive end. I know Whiteside had a couple blocks and whatnot and some nice rebounding. But on the defensive end, I wasn't as impressed. They were getting crushed by Levert inside. He was getting these easy little pull-up jumpers and floaters. The rebounding was tough. Jared Allen was crushing them on the boards, uh, as were some of the guards, like Tyler Johnson and, and, and so on. So there's positive to draw from Nurkic's performance and Whiteside's performance, but there's negatives to draw as well. But Damian Lillard is the story. He was the story. He will be the story. And now going in to face the Grizzlies first, I was almost going to say the Lakers. Like I was going to just jump and assume that they were going to beat the Grizzlies. There's some stuff they have to get together now. Gary Trent was hitting shots. He played with foul trouble, and it showed. Melo was in foul trouble, and it kind of showed. He wasn't hitting shots. This team we got so excited about, and they played so many tight games, and we saw the clutch factor. Duff, how nervous are you about the defense, though? Because it was brutal to watch at big stretches of this game. I'm petrified because Damian Lillard, as great as he is on offense, has never been a a tremendous defender. CJ McCollum is not good enough on offense to be as bad a defender as he is on defense. Mm. Uh, Carmelo's Carmelo, obviously, at this point. I mean, he's just older, and he he was a better post defender, and he's playing the the wing for them 
for the most part. Uh, and if he goes small, plenty of other teams have other smaller fours that they could throw at him to force him to play perimeter defense. Gary Trent Jr. was doing a solid job, but tonight, like you said, he got in foul trouble. Uh, I mean, this is, you know, Shaq and Charles were kind of having this de- debate at halftime where Charles was saying, you can't play defense like this and have the aspirations to win a championship. And that's how Charles thinks of this team. Like, I know he kind of jokingly says that they're, it's a little tongue-in-cheek when he says that they're going to make the finals. But I think on some level he really believes that because he sees what a special player Damian Lillard is. And I think he sees a little bit of himself in Damian Lillard, a guy who forced his way out of Philadelphia to go to a it was just go anywhere else he ends up in phoenix in a smaller market and kind of put him put them on his back and they made it to the finals in 93 uh ended up losing to jordan obviously but he has high hopes for his team and you can see it on the offensive end this team has so much firepower and thank you for bringing up Whiteside because in the first half he was just dominating offensively like really just cleaning stuff up around the rim he had five offensive rebounds uh, he ended up with nine total. He had 16 points, five of six from the floor, six free throws. Gary Trent Jr., I mean, he went four for 10 from three. He had 16 points. It sounds like a good stat line for Gary Trent Jr. But the problem is most of those looks came in the second half, and they were wide, wide, wide open. And most of his makes those came are, in the first half. Yep, and he's just got to hit those. Like, that's just the fact of the matter. If you want to make some noise in the playoffs, and I really think this team offensively, has a chance to push the Lakers to the brink because the Lakers do not have good perimeter defense without Avery Bradley and Rajon Rondo is just kind of a helpful floor general who can take care of this. And if, for example, I'm getting ahead of myself, but for example, if if Rondo is the guy who's not doubling, he is, he is the perfect person to have in the passing lanes with long arms and great anticipation skills for someone who, who can see all the angles. So I'm, I'm scared for the Blazers personally. I, I, what about you? Well, they have the benefit of now being the team with no expectation. Well, they have some expectation because of Damian Lillard and because of what they just did, but they're not truly expected to beat the Lakers. Anybody who's picking them to bet the Lakers or betting on them to beat the Lakers, like they don't really believe it. They think there's a chance, and they would like that payout. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not too worried, per se, because they're they're now playing with nothing to lose. Tonight they played with everything to lose, after they, you know, if they beat the Grizzlies, I can't just assume they're going to because it's not that easy in basketball, right? As we just saw, if they beat the Grizzlies, they now become the team with nothing to lose. And I think that benefits them a lot because today they played with everything to lose and it showed at some points because that doesn't always that doesn't always add up to better performances. But, uh, Duff, we have to keep moving here and talk about some other stuff. So, real quick on the Nets before we move to the Suns, the Grizzlies, and so forth. That team played really hard today, and I know it's important to you and I that that team didn't roll over. The Suns had a couple moments in this bubble, if not more games than not, where the other team just didn't really care. And it's not the Suns' fault. They took care of business, and they did have some good fought wins, right? It seemed like Portland got the other team's best more often than not. And even without you know, the guys who were out of the bubble— Karis LeVert was playing that game until the last second and trying to win. Same with Jared Allen, Joe Harris, guys who are starters for the Nets. So how did that resonate with you that the Suns had basically a gimme game after the Mavs you know, took out most of their guys in the second half and the Blazers had to grind this one out? Uh, I guess it's just kind of nature of the beast at this point. I mean, I was actually talking to my dad about this the other day too where I was explaining to him, he was asking me kind of a similar question, like why people aren't, you know, playing and this and that. And he didn't understand it. Like he clearly understands basketball way better than I do. But 
I was telling him, I was like, they're jockeying for seating position and then they're just resting guys so they don't get hurt in some cases. And that like didn't compute with him as a competitor. He's thinking to himself, well, you want to be, you know, championship caliber. You want to be successful in the playoffs. You got to always have that mindset. And I, you know, it's not the fault of the Suns. I, I respect the Nets for doing that every single game against the Clippers, the Bucks. The, the Blazers tonight does not matter. They're going to give their best shot every single time. And I think that's a great, great uh, sign from the coach. Uh, his first name is escaping me, Vaughn, Coach Vaughn. Um, he, I, I liked him a lot tonight. In his interviews, what he was saying, the strategy that he tried to use to slow down Damian Lillard, I mean, it almost worked. So I, w- I would say it's just kind of nature of the beast. It's unfortunate that the Suns, like you think their last three games against the Thunder, they sat their starters except for Chris Paul. Sixers sat their starters. Mavericks, Luka only played the first half. Chris Tops didn't play at all. Um, and if you want to, I had this pulled up here, just a quick, just to give you, just to give the listeners like a brief kind of picture of this. So in the, the Mavs who played the Suns tonight, the minutes leader for the Mavericks was Boban Marjanovic and Justin Jackson. Okay, they both had 29 minutes. Oh, wow. After that, it goes uh, DeLon Wright and Michael Kidd-Gilchrist. Oh, so, wow. Oh, wow. So, yeah, Luka played 13 minutes. Hardaway played 20. Like, they, they just weren't playing their starters. I mean, and we didn't get to the Grizzlies yet, but the, the minutes leader for the Grizzlies was DJ Wilson. Uh, excuse me there. I meant uh, the minutes leader for the Bucks was DJ Wilson, 30 minutes right, right. after that. Chris Middleton at 21 minutes. Robin Lopez, 21 minutes. Frank Mason the third. Any big Kansas fans out there remember him? Frank Mason third. 26 wow. minutes. Kyle Korver, 21 minutes. So there were no one starter was in the top five of minutes for the Bucks tonight against the Grizzlies. And that game was like 13-point game finish. It was 20-plus all night long. So I respect the Nets for doing – what they, you know, for being competitive and throwing out Karis LeVert again in the fourth quarter and really just trying to win every game that's put in front of them. I think that's a really good a sign of, of excellent coaching and teaching competitive spirit, as Jeff Van Gundy would say. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I, I appreciate that. I mean, it sucks for the Blazers, but, hey, they did it. You know, and, they, they earned their right to be in the playing game. And you can't take anything away from the Suns or the Grizzlies because they played who was in front of them, right? And the Nets ended yeah, up 5-3 and three in the bubble, by the way. They could have easily been six and two and been the true buster of the bubble, the bubble buster. Um, but that didn't happen. How much which... would people have hated the Nets if they won tonight? Oh my, my god! Oh my! Except for Suns fans, but they're who are who are those people? Yeah, do those true. people exist. We, I think they do. Well, they do. Anyways, um, I'm sitting right here, bro. You're looking at me right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your Suns, the Suns. That's what it is. Um, but no, the Nets. And when Kyrie looks at that game and Kevin Durant looks at that game, that's why, in theory they were more prone to pick the Nets versus other teams, right? And, and it sounds silly to say, but the Nets over the past two years under Kenny Atkinson and now under uh, Jacques Vaughn, I think his first name is, right? Um, under them, they have a true will to win. They play together almost except for when Kyrie plays, which is a weird thing. But if you're Durant and you're that squad, you're is like, it, All right. Is it weird? Uh, no, it's not weird. Is that confusing? It's not at all confusing. But that's enough on the Nets. We need to keep moving. Let's talk about the Suns before we talk about what's actually going to go down in the play-in situation and then in the playoffs and so forth. So, shout out to the Suns, man. You went 8-0. You did it. You did every single possible thing that you could have done to get yourselves in the playoffs. So many people before this thing happened said, why are the Suns even going? Why are the Kings even going? Why are the Wizards even going? 
the Suns are the only team that proved their worth and proved it worth our time that they even showed up in, in the bubble and quarantined for all this time and did what they had to do. So all the shouts to them. But unfortunately, the Grizzlies did just enough, and that was 2-6, and six, and the Blazers did do, do enough, which was 6-2, and two, to just edge them out. It is sad, but shouts to Devin Booker, shouts to Cam Johnson, shouts to DeAndre Ayton, a, a bunch of other dudes out in, uh, on the Phoenix squad who played so well. Uh, it's sad to see him go, but we were winners no matter what getting the Blazers or the Suns in this playing situation. I am really proud of the Suns. I'm really happy with what they did. And if anyone is sitting at home wondering, you know, they were 8-0, they deserve to be in, you know, I'm not necessarily going to disagree with you just from maybe like the principle of the standpoint or just, you know, we've seen it with the Giants. Like you get hot at the right time, you become a dangerous team in the playoffs. Like I'm not saying the Suns would have moved on to the next round or anything, but you like to see the team that's performing the best. Like I don't really want the Grizzlies limping in at, you know, two and six. I want the the Suns coming in hot, but Monty Williams had a great speech. He was talking to the Suns players and he he just was so proud of them. He was getting emotional. He was tearing up and, and he told everyone in the locker room, he's like, I love you guys. I'm so proud of what you did. You came here and you earned the respect of your peers. And I think that's such such an important thing in the NBA in particular, where there's so much jockeying for reputation and prestige and your legacy. And it's so important. Like you look at the Knicks now and you look at what their reputation is. You look at what the Suns' reputation was before this only two weeks ago, two weeks ago, what the reputations of the Suns was. And it was, it was terrible. It was in the tank. No one ever wanted to go there. You heard Draymond Green the other day is like, we need to get Devin Booker out of there. Now people are saying, look at this young talent Devin Booker has around him. Maybe they can build on this. They have momentum. And Stan Van Gundy on the broadcast today, I forget which game. It might have actually been on the Suns game where he said, you know, I think it would probably be best if the Suns, it might be best for them if they don't make the play-in Mm because they can walk away from the bubble, they can go 8-0, and they can really leave with a chip on their shoulder so that next season you're motivated because you never want to give your players an excuse. you got to win in the regular season if you want to be in the playoffs. That's the fact of the matter. If they come into the bubble in a better situation, they won more random games in November and December, all that stuff adds up when you get to the end of the season. Games matter, right? And I love that you brought up that point from Stan Van Gundy because the next thought that was going to come out of my brain was a famous quote from The Dark Knight. You either die a hero or live long enough to become a villain. And the Suns just died a damn hero. They are going down as the bubble, the best bubble team maybe to ever exist. They might be the bubble champions in some eyes. Who cares about the playoffs? Like Right now, this this is the greatest NBA bubble team that's ever existed. Ever and existed. And you can't refute that. <laughs> you cannot. They're undefeated forever in the bubble. Well, hopefully forever in the bubble. Because um, we don't want another bubble. We want normalcy next year, if you didn't catch that. The, the, yeah, so the Suns, like you said, can now bring all this momentum into free agency, into whatever rookies they bring in, and now there's just a whole different aura around the Suns organization that wasn't just bad, like you said. I don't think you stressed it enough. It wasn't just bad before the bubble and before you know parts of this year. It was terrible. It was top or bottom two organization in the league bad, right? And they took some strides this year with the consistency from Baines, Aiton, Oubre, along with Booker and getting to the bubble. Um, but but damn, you can't you can't say they should be in because they're eight and zero and other teams weren't. 
because every game mattered, and they could easily have not even been in the bubble. So that's what it is on, on that situation for me. It's great for them to put that work in during the quarantine, then come into the bubble, really see it come to fruition, and now they say, we are right fucking there. We like, can, we we can are do this. So, we can do this. We can make it to the playoffs. We, we can be a successful winning organization that can come back in a couple months, whenever the next regular season starts and really be locked in and hungry. Like they're, they're seeing it. We were one game away. Now we're hungry for this next season. And now there's no reason to have more hype about a team like the Pelicans or Grizzlies than the Suns. They're, they're right there. Everyone would have said, uh, if the Pelicans were healthy and, and right and not resting, they could have been in that situation. They proved nothing. The Suns proved everything. When we get to next season, those two teams will look, be looked at way more similarly than any of us could have imagined. So shouts to the Suns. But let's move on. Grizzlies, Blazers, playing wanna, situation. Oh, what's up? I want to real quick, I want to talk about the Grizzlies yeah, right now I because I, but in a specific lens, because we've been talking about this team like privately, I don't really think we've been talking about it on the podcast much at all. To be honest with you, they had two players with triple doubles tonight. They had, they had uh, Jonas Valanciunas, twenty six points, nineteen rebounds, twelve assists. John Morant, twelve points, thirteen rebounds, ten assists. So we're talking about right now. You know, there's obviously the top seven teams in in the West, and there's not much that's going to change with them. But then you got the Blazers, you got. The Suns, you got the Grizzlies, you got the Spurs probably going to come back strong next year. You got the Pelicans. I want to put Adam Silver and the NBA on notice right here. We need to get the top 16 teams in the league in the playoffs. I, I don't I don't need the Nets and the Magic limping into the playoffs. It's not enjoyable to have to endure a seven-round first, you know, seven-game first round with those teams there and like shout out the Grizzlies. Cause this is so important. This is what I was talking about. With the Suns. they took care of business in the regular season. They put themselves in a good position and said, as long as we don't totally fuck this up, we are going to still get in the play plan. We're still going to get in the playoffs. And that's what they did. They didn't take, I mean, they fucked it up, but yeah, they, they did not totally. They kind of sucked. They, they were not very good in the, bubble. they did. They went yeah. two and six. I mean, they, but think about it. their team is so young. They have, like Kyle Anderson, who was on the Spurs but didn't have a big role. Jonas Valanciunas hasn't been – he was on the Raptors but, like, hasn't – wasn't really a, a, a really super critical part of that team at a point where they were a real threat. John Morant, rookie. Dylan Brooks hasn't done anything in his career yet. Uh, Brandon Clark, rookie. Dude, Gorgie Jang. Grayson like, Allen. they're so young. <laughs> Grayson Allen, yeah, Grayson Allen, shot hitter, the man. Anthony Melton from the Suns, who is good. Yeah. Like, oh, also shout out all the Suns players who just kind of who turned it up a notch. Tyler Johnson tonight on the Nets is Rough. now a mid-range god, like former Sun and uh, T.J. Warren. Yeah. Just the the bubble. Any Sun probably Dragon Bender could still be in the league right now if he was in the bubble this, <laughs> this past couple weeks. Uh, Marquise Cristal, now nah, we good, we good, we good on that. But now we have the Grizzlies who not only have one winner go home game, but possibly two winner go home games. And I know the confidence in the Grizzly, uh, the Blazers is there, right? Most people, probably 90% of people are picking them to win one of these two playing games right now. But based off of what we just saw, Duff, how is the confidence going to be that high? The defense is not good for the Blazers right now. And you look at the Grizzlies, a guy like John Morant, Seems like he could be the worst nightmare outside of a 
you know, dominant ball handling wing. You have a point guard who can not only slash and score, who can shoot and get hot out there, but also collapse the defense and make the right pass. So if John Morant is getting into the paint the way Karis LeVert did and then does what John Morant did for an entire season as a rookie, this Blazers team is not going to walk to a victory here. They obviously didn't walk to a victory against the Nets, and the pressure is still on. You don't want to be on the backside of a, you you know, you need to win one out of two. Because once that first game happens, the momentum can completely change. What do they say in hockey? Two-goal lead? It's kind of that concept, right? Like, if you give up that first goal, that second goal is coming. If the Blazers don't close them out in game one, game two is tough. And the Grizzlies are tough, and they proved it, and that's why they're in this position in the first place. This is the type of situation where if it was a regular playoff series, the team who's who's traveling on the road for the last two games is going, we're only packing one suit. <laughs> we're only packing one suit. We're winning it in game six. Forget about game seven. It's not even going to happen. We're packing one suit, and we're going home. Uh, obviously, they're in the bubble, so they're not doing that, but you get the point. Um I, I think everything you said is true. I mean, I, I would say the key for this would be rebounding because the Blazers gave up so many, so many, so many second-chance opportunities to the Nets tonight. And Valanciunas is a guy who almost got 20 rebounds. So you got to keep that guy off the glass, and you got to rebound as a team. You know, you can't... The Blazers aren't a fast-breaking team anyway. Everyone's got to get in there, end possessions, and move on because you have such a potent offense... Don't don't worry about trying to break out for a fast break or anything because it's it's not what you're gonna do. All right, let's make our picks for the uh, plan that's gonna happen this weekend. Like you said, Blazers got to win one, Grizzlies got to win two. Games happen on Saturday and then Sunday if need be. I personally am gonna go with the Blazers, and you know we were talking before and I thought it was gonna be two games. I think I think you're right. You've convinced me. They they have they got to squash the the Grizzlies on Saturday. They cannot be limping in after a f- like tough two game series against the Grizzlies. They need to take care of business, get that extra rest day is going to be super important for CJ's back for Dame's mental well-being at this point. And I think Grizzlies Saturday, they end it. What about you? Grizzlies ended Saturday. No, no, no. Blazers ended Saturday. Blazers. Blazers yeah. ended Saturday. Excuse me. We want to be clear here. You know what I mean? But no, I'm with you. I mean, you, you know, not that you stole my pick, but that's my pick. I think the Blazers take it in the first game, but it's going to be a battle. It's going to be close. If that spread, according to Vegas or your sports books or whatever, is over four, I'm taking the points. I don't know what it's going to be. I haven't looked at it just yet. Uh, I don't even know if it's out yet. It might not be. I'm imagining that the public and media and Vegas alike have confidence in Portland and Damian Lillard to win this game. What level of confidence matters to me? Because as we just saw with the Nets, Karis LeVert could have hit that shot, and this whole pod is completely different. So I think it's a three-point or game less. It's a battle. The Grizzlies, despite their lackluster bubble performance, come out strong and fight, and uh, they're, it's not a great matchup. I could, I could picture it right now. Hassan Whiteside gets one block, and all of a sudden in his head, he's like, I'm going to get every block. And then he's out of position. John Morant ca- collapses the defense. Corner threes for Grayson Allen. Corner threes for Dylan Brooks. Dump offs to Valanciunas, and it's not going to be easy. Portland better get their defensive-ish together because if we pick them to go seven against the Lakers, six against the Lakers, that ain't happening if they're playing defense like they are now. So Blazers in one, but there's some caution, and it's going to be a battle. 
So the uh, the spread, because Vegas is insane, it's already out for Saturday, and the Blazers are favored by seven. So you're Bro. definitely taking the points. Soon, you're going Grizzlies plus seven. As soon as we get off this That's podcast, right I'm locking in plus seven because I, I'm my my guess on that, my bet on that bet is that by Saturday, it's four and a half. That's my guess. Uh, I think that's a great thought. So if you're listening to this, go, go call your bookie. Lock it in, baby. Um, <laughs> lock it in. All right, so real quick, just to wrap it up, now that the playoff seating has been set in the West and in the East, almost in the West, but let's let's real quick, the Lakers are going to, whoever comes out of this play-in, that's where they're playing in round one. Clippers are going against the Mavericks. Nuggets are going against the Jazz. Thunder got the Rockets in the 4-5. And then the East, the Bucks are going against the Magic. The Raptors got the Nets. Celtics got the Sixers. And the Heat have the Pacers. So there you go. That's your playoff picture in the West and in the East. And that starts on Monday. Wow. The 17th. So everybody get ready. First game is going to be Monday. Monday, 1.40 p.m. Oh, my gosh. Jazz Nuggets. I'm not God, ready. That sounds good. Not to humble brag, but I I'm love not it. ready. Every day, every day is like the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. I love it so much. I'm, I'm, this is like a weird humble brag because I'm going to be on vacation. So, like, I'm going to be, like, on a boat or something-ish. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to be li- got a good day to bro. on a yacht or something. No, I'm just kidding. It's going to be a, a very small boat at a lake that is going to be fantastic. I cannot wait. But I'm missing. I'm going to miss some games here, dog. I'm dying out here, dog. I need I need constant chatter in the group from you guys. Um, damn. I'm, I'm, I'll be there, though. I got I got cable back at the crib over, over there. So we, we good. We good. Uh, not exactly sure what's going down with the pod next week. As you just heard, I am away. So we'll figure it out. We're not going to leave you all hanging. We'll be talking on Instagram or something. We're, we're going to give you something. We gave you three episodes this week, so hopefully you enjoyed that. And I have one last shout-out, uh, Duff. Before we say goodbye, Chris Haynes asked a question to Dame Lillard after that win, and it was in my head since I saw it, the shot. He pulled up legitimate from that logo right above half court. Logo Lillard. And Chris Haynes said, why would you take that? He, he basically like said, you know, you, how do you get that confidence? And like, basically, why would you take that shot in that situation? What would even have that thought into your head? How do you get to the mental space to have that type of confidence stuff? It blew my mind that he even took it, and then he hit it like like he knew it was going in. So just shout out to Dame, and shout out to Chris Haynes for asking the question that was uh, on my mind for sure. But that's it. All right, Petey. That's Let's it. wrap it up. This so, is it. Subway Sports Talk, baby. John see you Lucas next Duffy. week, maybe. Miss you next week, maybe. We'll see you in some facet on Instagram, at Subway Sports Talk, on Twitter, at Subway Sports Talk, TLK. Uh, but we'll be back, of course, with basketball, baseball, football, all sorts of fun stuff. For John Lucas Duffy, I'm Pete Kennedy. Just keep enjoying that bubble ball because we just got started. I said it yet, like on the last pop, we just got started. But it's true. It's here. It's fun. And this has been Subway Sports Talk. You have a great day.